lot of news out of Riverside County over the last few days. Riverside County now has 16 coronavirus cases and three. Riverside deaths. County public health officials say there are now 58 confirmed new cases of COVID-19, bringing the countywide total to 291. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley. And I am a very tired Sean Heckman. And a very tired Sean Heckman is very tired because he has been editing our Amazon Prime video TV show. That's right. TV show! We're back for even more. And as you know, if you've seen the news lately, there's a little thing going around called coronavirus. Lots of fun. And we are actually putting together a TV show amidst a pandemic as well as some podcasts for you guys. And there's always a little bit of extra laying around from the podcast for the TV show. So we decided to put together a couple of episodes. And this episode is about the government-owned racetracks that we visited and spent time with to find out what they were going through during COVID. So uh, as opposed to the last two episodes you heard, which were owned by private individuals, whether it was sort of an enthusiast thing or something that they were actually making their living off of, uh, these next couple of uh, lunches that we had were tracks that are owned by some form of government, whether it be the state or the county or whatever it is. So of course, they have not only different agendas in terms of how they're making money, but in terms of how they comply and things like that. There's a whole number of things to consider. And within the two tracks themselves, as you'll hear, their scenarios are extremely different. So uh, we figured it'd be good. and. Uh, uh, these, just by coincidence, both happen to be in California. So uh, before we jump into it, we should probably pay tribute to the tires, the car, the oil that got us there. And, uh, well, Ryan, what kind of tires brought us there? Continental Tires. Cross Contact LX Right. <laughs> and, uh, hey, uh, there was a vehicle sitting on top of those four fantastic continental tires what what vehicle was that that would be my 2020 acura mdx and uh as i remember we had zero issues with the car um and part of that would be because it was well it was a smooth running engine that's correct we uh filled it to the brim and i mean to the top because that's how you fill a car with oil and uh, we used our brand new partner who can't wait for you to go out there and buy their oil and that would be valvoline the original motor oil. So the first sit down we did was uh, with Don Kazarian in uh, beautiful, beautiful Paris, California, which is in Riverside County. If you're not a dirt racing person, you may not necessarily be familiar with Paris. It is in the grand scheme of things, one of the more well-known dirt tracks, especially on the West Coast, but it's, a, it's basically a dirt oval that's out in Riverside County, which while adjacent to LA County or San Diego County is not, it's a totally different part of the, of the state basically. And Don is what's called the promotional rights owner to Paris Auto Speedway, which means he does not own the track that is owned by the state of California in a special department. But as the promotional rights holder, he basically for 50 weeks a year has kind of the exclusive ability to put on events. And it's a whole arrangement in terms of how that makes money and whatnot. But Don is in a unique position because of course it's a facility that he's financially obligated to make run, but yet he has no ownership stake in the facility itself. And so this puts him in a very strange position. And I think 
think, I don't know, I can't speak for you, Ryan, but I think this is one of my favorite meetups of the trip. I actually was just about to say, I love Don. He was like just such a regular guy. He totally understood what we were trying to do. And I'm pretty sure he'd never heard of us before the morning we got there. <laughs> you know, like he was probably reading your emails like, sure, okay, fine. But I think he understood that we were racers. We were there for the right reasons. And he really put his heart on a sleeve for us and explained a lot of the things like California's restrictions against the bills that he's still paying and not having any alternative revenue streams. Like they sometimes would do commercials there, sometimes do some filming, minimal testing, but he's got bills he has to pay and he has no way to make the money because he can't sell tickets. So uh, we had lunch right there at the track uh, from nearby Farmer Boys, which is a small chain in uh, Southern California. And uh, I had a chicken sandwich. I, I had some sort of bacon cheeseburger thingy. I can't remember. What I do remember is like, I'm okay with Farmer Boys. Farmer Boys is okay by me. It's mayo with a little bit of bread on it. Right. I, again, big fan. And uh, one thing that's interesting that if you watch our show on Amazon Prime, you will possibly see in the background of Sean and I while we're talking, they're literally testing for COVID-19 in the parking lot just outside of the property for this racetrack. So a very surreal moment while we're talking about this business that's struggling to stay alive and people are literally getting tested right next to where we're doing the interview. So it was a uh, pretty uh, eye-opening situation. Enjoy. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Jump right in. I am so far very happy with our decision. With our farmer boys? This is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got a pound of mayonnaise on it, and I'm not mad about it. It's not fast food. It's good food. Yeah, that's their whole <laughs> thing, right? That's their whole yeah. So Paris Speedway, Riverside County. If there's, I, I admittedly have not spent a ton of time in Riverside, but the uh, the feeling I always get from Riverside County is that it's not Los Angeles County. Correct. In the second, Correct. totally different culture, totally different people. It's it's totally different. It's yeah. a, it's a much bigger county, spread out over a much area, bigger area. Uh, downtown Riverside is the most popular, uh, populous place, you know, as far as people, but. It's totally different than Orange County or L.A. County. Right. So by definition, this is Southern California. But I don't know that people from Riverside say they're from Southern California. Uh, they do. Oh, uh, okay. You know, but, you know, there's there's a sense of the Inland Empire pride. Yeah. You know, uh, I've lived in Orange County. I've lived in L.A. County. I've lived in Riverside County now for almost 15 years. And they're they're a little different. Yeah. This is very <laughs> different. Very <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been at uh, Paris Auto Speedway? Uh, this is our 25th year. Okay. Uh, we opened the first weekend of March to celebrate our 25th anniversary and got one race in. And four days later, we were told to uh, close your doors. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Why? Uh, well, a little thing called the coronavirus. And uh, I've been on the corona coaster ever since the second week of March. So uh, one week, you know, you're very up and you think... Yep. News is good. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll reopen in three or four weeks. Uh, then, you know, something else comes out on the news two days later, and you're going down the coaster. You know, you get down, and then, you know, up and down. It's been that way for three and a half months. And, you know, I'm not sure where we're headed right now. So this track has an actual off-season where you don't race anything for a couple months? Uh, we're normally closed December and January. Uh, historically, we'll open, open in February or March. Uh, you know, depending upon how many total events we want to run. Uh, you know, we've run as late as Thanksgiving with Turkey Night Grand Prix. 
uh, we've run three or four winter series mm -hmm. where we actually run day races because it's cold enough that the clay will be okay racing on the daytime. Uh, we did that for three years and then folded that camp up. It just didn't work out well. So yeah. having so having the coronavirus show up, you know, pretty much in springtime, you guys are coming off of a couple months of not a whole lot of activity here. Does that hit even harder because it, there's nothing going on? Absolute worst time of the year yeah. for it to hit. Uh, you know, because we sit here and pinch pennies, you know, you know, end of November, December, January, February, trying to collect on our accounts receivables and our sponsorships, uh, doing whatever we can, you know, rentals. And then you got the big insurance payment due before you open. Sure. And one event, and I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars of 25th, you know, anniversary T-shirts and sweatshirts we bought that yeah. my wife bought that are now basically in storage that we may never get rid of. Who knows? Huh. So yeah. if, if we wanted to help you out, we could we could promote the 25th <laughs> anniversary shirt no yeah. matter what. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> put a link on our website. It, 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 it absolutely couldn't have been a worse time. Yeah, could not have been a worse time. And uh, you know, but we're dealing with it. You know, we're in survival mode. Just like every other small business, mm -hmm. uh, we got some help from the government. You know, there are two different plans. Uh, you know, how long that's going to last, I, I've got an idea in the back of my head from historical numbers. It's not going to get us till next March. Right. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how do we get from July 1 to basically the first weekend of March, if not May, because we still don't know how long this is going to last. We're in California. <laughs> The, yeah. go the governor has said, we're not going to open outdoor sporting venues, professional sports for fans until we have a vaccine or we have treatments, approved treatments. We don't have either right, right now. Right. Riverside County could tell us we could open, you know, and trump the governors, but I don't think they're going to do that. Um, you know, so we're in this do loop. And, you know, when's the, when's the vaccine going to come? Right. Yeah. If I knew that, I'd be in Vegas, but they were closed for three months, too. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, it's very unnerving and unsettling. From the first time you heard about COVID-19 until it became an absolute part of your business problem, did you have any idea? Did you have any idea that it was going to affect you when you first heard about it? I, I Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, you know, I was watching what was going on across the world and how different countries were shutting down. And when it was here, and I knew it was here on our opening night, I told our head announcer, I said, we're getting closed down this next week. And he goes, no way. I said, we're getting closed down. Guarantee it. And it happened on Thursday morning. You so, know, but by that time on, you basically only started really seeing that this could happen a week or two out. Yeah. So you didn't, so in February or January when it started to hit the news, it wasn't necessarily on your radar. No, I wasn't yeah. on my radar. Yeah. It wasn't on my radar at all. And, but the end of you know, the beginning of March, the end of February, I was starting to get really concerned mm -hmm. that, you know, something bad's getting ready to happen. And at this point, you've already gotten, I know you already said this, but at this point, you've already been through your winter, which is the time when you're essentially living off of the money you collected from the year previous because you've been down for a couple months. So yeah. Yeah. to then rely on opening gate admission kind of deals and not have that, I assume it's not good. No, it's not good. I mean, when, when I'm, when they announced the PPP program, you know, I was up, you know, in the middle of the night trying to enroll, you know, uh, the emergency disaster loans. That was a nightmare trying to get through that. I talked to my bank that I've been with for, my family's been with for 45 years. Uh, you know, I didn't like what they told me, so, you know, I just said, no thanks. And uh, so, yeah, it was 
the first four weeks of, okay, we've got enough money to last for about four weeks. Now what do we do? Right. Um, without calling my partners and saying, where do you guys want to go? Yeah. You know, and I know what their answer would have been. So that soon had you not had a little bit of relief, it could have shut down months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do most tracks of this size and nature have any sort of budget hidden away for something like a pandemic or an economic <laughs> shutdown? Yeah, I, I've, I've never lived through a pandemic. I mean, I didn't know what it was. You know, I've never seen it like this. Yeah, we had H1N1 several years ago. Yeah. Uh, tracks like this don't don't have reserves. Yeah. Um, they live week to week, uh, month to month. Yeah. And uh, uh, it depends what, how your how your ownership group is. You know, I'm a 32% owner in this business. Mm-hmm. The rest are all family members at different percentages. Yeah. They haven't contributed to this track for over 25, 20 years. You know, um, when my father was alive and I was running it, you know, if, if we needed cash to keep the doors open or float it, mm-hmm. it either came from myself or my dad. And yeah. then we would pay each other back. You know, and, but I'm the managing member of the LLC. Yeah. And uh, Very much a family business. How many employees does this place have when it's up and running? Up and running, uh, we can have as many as 80 to 85 between concessions and, and, and everything else, yeah. front and back gate and infield and everything. What about yeah. on a regular Tuesday when nothing's going on? Uh, whopping two. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of furloughs and things like that, it's not like you had to let go of a lot of people with the shutdown, but you're absolutely missing the people that depend on this place on the race weekends and events. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we, we laid off one, one individual who kind of takes care of the facility and then brought them back mm-hmm. uh, when we received the PPP funds. So on your event weekends, concessions, security, parking, things like that, is it the same group of people that come every time? Uh, 90% of them are, yeah. So and if, like if I go here on any race weekend, the same person selling me a hot dog this weekend would be the same as next weekend. Yes. yes. So even though they're not salaried employees... They're counting on Paris Auto Speedway being open so that they can get that part-time income. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And our fans that have been coming here for 25 years know three-quarters of the people that work around right. the facility. They, they become yeah. friendships. Right. And so you technically didn't lay them off, but you're not hiring them right now. No, we're not hiring them right now. Right. No. So are you guys owned by ISC? <laughs> <laughs> no. No? No? You don't have any... Uh, SMI? SMI. You're an SMI track. No. No? No. Well, this doesn't make any sense to me. No, we're owned, we're owned by the uh, Kazarian family. Okay, so this is literally a family business. It's, so, it's you yeah. and your family members who have basically all the promotional rights to this area. Correct. Uh, it was originally started with my father when he was alive. I'm the youngest of four boys. Yeah. Um, my oldest brother, that was five years older than me, managed it for the first three years. Um, then he decided this business wasn't for him and quit one night. And I said... You can't quit. You're an owner. He goes, I'm done. So I was taking care of the racetrack at the time. Hadn't really been on this side of the fence. Didn't even know how to turn the PA on. <laughs> and uh, next thing I knew, you know, I took over the reins and have for the, about the last 22 years. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is your full-time job. Yes. So there's, and there's no parent company that you can rely on if things go south. No. No family trust that you can go back to. No. So this goes down. That is your income. Yes. In terms of the events that take place here, what are the big marquee events that you guys have? 
Our Budweiser Oval Nationals is probably the biggest one of the year. It's a USAC National, you know, Southwest and CRA sprint car event over three nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, our annual 4th of July show is by far the biggest night of the year. And we're sitting here July 1. Normally I'd be running around the facility getting ready for yeah. Saturday night. And uh, nothing's going to go on this Saturday night. Um, our night of destruction, which we started five, six years ago with nine cars yeah. and an idea on paper, uh, has morphed into, you know, almost 75 to 80 cars now. <laughs> and the place is packed. Yeah. And it's entertaining and fun. And they know it's a two-hour show. And they know it's the craziest show on dirt. And... It's a hillbilly crash fest, right. and the fans love it. <laughs> and the guys, we don't pay a huge purse. You know, we pay out, I think, $5,000 over five classes, which is relatively nothing. Sure. We have five classes. Yes. And they uh, only the top three in the class get paid. Okay. The rest of the guys go home and have fun. Yeah. They don't care. It's not like a sprint car show where you got to pay down the 24th yeah. and pay the car- other cars that don't make the main event. You know, these guys are entertainers. They're out here to have fun. And... You know, mingle with a crowd and put on a show. What are the events that take place during the Night of Destruction? Well, we have our figure eight class, which yeah. is... I love how this is, is no thing to do with COVID. Yeah. We just yeah. want to know. Well, so I mean, we have our hardcore figure eight, yeah. regular figure eights. Then we have our trailer figure eights, where you got to pull at least a 12-foot-long trailer. Okay. Uh, we've had sailboats. We've had uh, old wood boats. <laughs> yeah. We've had uh, Hobie, Hobie uh, uh, crafts, you know, the sailboats with the sails yeah. up. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, there's really no rules what you can pull with. We've had vans and, you know, uh, you, you name it. And we started as many as 16 of them. I mean, it's, it's madness going yeah. around the figure eight track. Yeah. Uh, then we can go to uh, our double deckers, which are two cars <laughs> set on top of yeah. each other. Yeah. The guy up top steers, the guy down below has the uh, uh, accelerator pedal yeah. and the brake. Yeah. No communication. Uh, totally insane. Yeah. Uh, I'm way out. You know, <laughs> and... I came across a video on YouTube at 2 o'clock in the morning. They were running these things in Wembley Stadium, and I thought, we got to do this. <laughs> we got to do this. So we went to our, our sponsor, LK Pick Apart. They gave us the cars. We mm-hmm. went out and bought a bunch of steel. We yeah. built the first four, gave them to the guys that wanted them, said, okay, keep them at the track. Now we got a bunch of other ones that show up. So that's a great division. We started a four-cylinder class. Yeah. Now all these classes are full contact. <laughs> There's no racing rules. It's either green flag or a red flag. Right. There's no yellow flags. <laughs> so we start a four-cylinder class, and they run on what we call a modified road course. Yeah. We go down the front straightaway into turn one, okay. halfway across the figure eight, back out on turn four. I love it. Track limits? Yeah. Do you have track limits? Do you know what track, track limits are? No. I don't know what track limits are. For the best. Yeah. For the yeah. best. No. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So we started, no, we started, I think, March Thirty-three of those cars, mm-hmm. three abreast on the front straightaway, standing yeah. still, full contact, standing start, yeah, on standing dirt. start. Yep, I love it. And yeah. uh, you're my guy. And then, uh, then the most popular class is demo cross. Mm-hmm. Now we're come up with the name demo cross. <laughs> okay, uh, number one, there's no rules. Yeah, you can weld as much steel around your car as you want. Okay, turn them into giant bumper cars. Yeah, it's a twenty lap. The main event's a twenty lap race around the quarter mile, mm-hmm. which has been wetted down so it's slippery. We have old boats out there for <laughs> obstacles. Of course We you have do. jet skis. Yeah. We fill up 55-gallon drums full of water so when the cars hit them on the front straightaway, the water sprays into the grandstands and the kids get wet. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> this have, is the best yeah. racetrack I've ever been to. We, do you have a splash yeah. zone? Yeah, we have a splash zone. Yes! Yeah, like, so, do people have tarps? They're like, ah, like Gallagher. Yeah. We, we have the ball of death. 
that starts out in turn four. Yeah, it's a uh-huh. red, white, and blue giant fiberglass ball. Okay. There's a bounty. Every time the race, we, we throw 100 bucks into it. Yeah. And the first car that can get it all the way around the racetrack and the last car that touches it when it crosses the finish line gets 100 bucks. Yeah. doesn't happen that race. We just put another 100 bucks into it. So, so March, the first car and the last car collect. Last car that touches it. The ball as it crosses the line. Yeah. Okay. So March we had, I think it was a $300 bounty on it. <laughs> and this one poor guy was working on it, trying to get that 300 bucks. Yeah. And he had it stolen from him like five <laughs> feet from the finish line. The place went nuts. Yeah, believe it. You know, so it's, yeah. a, it's a game within yeah. this game that is called Democross, which is basically a 20-lap demolition derby. Yeah. Now, yeah. on the night of destruction, is there any racing other than the fun, crazy races that evening? No, it's just it's, it's okay. So there's no like late model or no, no okay, yeah. No. So how much does this place pack out for that event? It, it fills up. Yeah, so it's a big that's big attraction having these really fun. Yeah, and it, it took a while for it to catch on. Sure, you know. And these are ideas that you came up with on your own, or from looking around on the internet and seeing dumb things that were funny. Half and half. Okay, my point <laughs> being is that you are trying so hard to sell tickets to keep this place going. That you're finding outrageous things like that, which we think are amazing. We we had to reinvent ourselves. Why is that? Because uh, the days of running sprint cars on a Saturday night, the next weekend running uh, uh, stock cars and late models, modifieds, and then sprint cars again and vice versa, yeah. and doing 45 events a year. Those days left us in 2008. Okay. Okay. okay in 2010, we went from 45 events to 22 mm-hmm. to survive. Mm-hmm. And this is your income. Yeah. 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 Because the racers couldn't race and the fans couldn't come when we went through the recession. We're going through the same thing here over a virus. Yeah. Although we're not open. Right. Um, you know, we came up with the night of destruction idea. I didn't know if it was going to work. Sure. Uh, you know, it went from nine cars to like 12 cars to 13 cars. But the crowd started growing. Mm-hmm. We were seeing 100 more people the next time. You know, 200 more people the next time. We never saw the growth like we did with sprint cars. Sprint cars are actually going down. Yeah. Stock cars have been level for 25 years. Mm-hmm. It depends how many stock cars you have in the pits because everybody in the grandstands is friends and family of that driver. Yeah, right. They're not race fans. Yeah. But this night of destruction became so entertaining that through our social media and the word of mouth of the people that were coming, and it's a cheap entertainment. Yeah. You know, for the, yeah. for the family. $5 tickets for kids. Mm-hmm. You know, up to 18 with a school ID, under six, free. Yeah. You know, where can you take a kid somewhere for five bucks and be entertained and laugh like you're crazy? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. The yeah. things that happen. You could you could do one ticket here, or you could come here three times and maybe save up enough money for a movie ticket. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, adult tickets are 15. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, wow. it's, it's it's that's amazing. Yeah, and it, it is two hours of pure entertainment. Yeah. If pause for wind, yeah, pause yeah. for wind. Well, is, is it me? Is it better? Nah, it's, I think we're all getting it. I think we're all getting it. Yeah. So the night of destruction is postponed at this point. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we've we have not canceled our whole year. Like yeah. some tracks have just said, we'll see you in 2021. Sure. Uh, we go month to month, week to week. All of our events have been postponed up until July 4th at this point. Yeah. Uh, in May. I was putting schedules together saying, okay, if we open this date, we're going to run, you know, this many Saturday nights, a few Friday nights, run till like the beginning of December, get the whole racing program in. And, uh, but as we go into July now, it's not looking good. Uh, I don't think August is going to be any good. Um, you listen to the experts and they say it's going to come back worse in the fall. You know, if I don't open by the middle of September, 
doesn't make any sense probably for me to open. Uh, I don't think I could run the Oval Nationals uh, for three nights in November with a few events leading up to it. Um, you know, I, I still don't know how many people, if we were to open at 50% capacity, how many of our fans are going to come back? You know, a uh, sprint car crowd is a much older fan. Uh, you know, whether they're going to come back and, you know, intermingle. You can social distance all you want. I can paint as many red X's all over the grandstands and concessions area. But I can't guarantee them that, they're, you know. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's, like I said, very unnerving. So whereas uh, some of the big tracks in road racing are able to rent out their tracks for private testing and, and track day events, it's not necessarily a thing that happens very often with uh, dirt tracks. But you have been able to come up with ideas in the past to come around the, the economy that we had in 2008, things like the Night of Destruction, to get fans in the stands. Do you see anything after this that you're going to have to do to market to the local people to get them to come back? Um. We rely everything on social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't spend any hard dollars on traditional media anymore. Okay. Um, you know, watching the social media, I think we're going to have a good return of our fan base. We've got a real loyal fan base. Uh, you know. Um, so not only is this a family business, it's a family sport for you. You know the people in the, in the grandstands. Yeah, my wife and I have become very good friends with all sorts of people here. I mean, all walks of life from all over the country. You know, Oval Nationals, we'll have people from, I don't know, 30, 32 states here. You know, they come and camp out for the whole week. And just, you know, they just grab you every time you can and talk to them. You know, I try and sit down in a sports bar every night and be accessible to the fans. You never know. They come up with some great ideas. You yeah. know, yeah. they always come up and say, well, if I own this place, and I go, well, it's for sale. Uh, <laughs> but, no. <laughs> yeah. We know yeah. that we know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. No, but anyway, yeah. If, if I, you know, if I own this place, I do this. And I listen to it. And sometimes they got a great idea. Yeah. Half the time I go, eh, forget it. Yeah, right. <laughs> what do you mean? Right. Yeah. But you never I know. a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> we, we get it. Yeah. What are your streams of income pre-COVID? Pre-COVID? Yeah, like how, so, okay, race tickets, fine, but if you were to sort of itemize out the different ways that money comes in 360 days a year. So you got sponsorships, you got concession sales, uh, you've got pit pass sales, you got entry fees, you've got parking, you've got front ticket sales, uh, souvenirs, and uh, track rentals, and, and some, and some uh, film locations. Because yeah. we're here in California, right? Yeah. 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 So I only heard two line items there that didn't require fans. Sponsorship? Sponsorship requires fans, though. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, okay. so basically, so track rentals and film shoots yeah. are the only yes. events that you put on that don't have some sort of contingency on people right. coming. Right. You know, there's some tracks in, you know, on the East Coast or Midwest, they're, they're allowing fans now. Uh, not out here. Some guys are trying to run with no fans. I can't make that model work. I mean, I can tell you right down to the penny almost every weekend what we're going to do. Front gate, back gate, we've been doing this long enough. I can't make any show work without fans in the stands. As long as you pay the racers. If you don't pay the racers, you know, if, if USAC wants to come and run here for free, come on. But they're not going to do that. Um, you know, our stock car guys aren't going to do it. Because yeah, um, you have to pay a fee to have something like USAC come here, right? Yeah. And then you, out of what you make from tickets, hamburgers, all that stuff, you pay out on the prize money? Yes. 
Yeah, you know, pay the prize money, the sanction fee, the cost for the officials, you know, into the points fund. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, yeah. So if you don't have people sitting here buying that, you know, ticket, or bringing the kids for five bucks a piece, you can't afford to have an event. You can't stream it online and make the science no, work. No, no, no. We've, we've done online, business work you know, we've done online pay-per-views um, in the past. Uh, the percentages you get out of them isn't close to what you make at the front gate. Um, I know some tracks were successful a couple months ago doing it. Uh, IMCA is trying to put together a whole program with all the sanctioned tracks to, you know, do broadcasts. Uh, USAC is already on Flow Sports uh, with the national tour. Last year they had the CRA, you know, tour which races here on Flow Sports live. Uh, that impacted our ticket sales uh, because people decided to stay home and watch. Um, but without fans. I just can't do it. So you and your family basically have the promotional rights to this for 50 weeks a year. Yeah, it's right. called it's called a it's called a rental agreement, which is basically a lease. Sure, but the entire property basically you guys built up. This wasn't something you're not just paying for it and somebody else is managing this. This, this is basically your property. No, this is the way it on. works in California. Most racetracks are on fairgrounds, right? Because uh, you can circumvent a lot of the environmental requirements because fairground, fairground, fairgrounds okay. can basically do anything when okay. you look at their environment right. you don't have to do an EIR or an EIA or whatever it is right EIS so we came in we nego- we purchased the lease in 1995 from a gentleman out of San Diego renegotiated it right and that lease is with the state of California it's with the it's it's with the ag district a district which of is, yeah, yeah and yeah. which is managed by the state of California okay. Okay. and the property is owned by the state of California right but ultimately the authority is the state of California not Riverside County Correct. Right. Okay. Correct. So whether you sell tickets or make any sort of money, that bill has to be paid regardless. I still have to continue to pay for my permits and licenses. Okay. Uh, Riverside County, you know, they, they tax you on your personal property. Yeah. And then they tax you on what is called possessory interest tax. Yep. yep. Um, and those taxes are tens of thousands of dollars a year and still got to pay them. What is this property considered? Like, is this a campground a fairground is it a it's a fairground it's a california state fairgrounds okay. there's like 61 fairgrounds in the state of california and where were they on the list of uh, phases for opening back up in california uh all public gatherings whether they're indoor or outdoor are in stage four mm-hmm. uh, which requires a vaccine or or therapeutics which we have neither at this point did you feel that was a fair place for these facilities to be placed <sighs> yes and no um you know, um, nobody, nobody can predict what's going to happen. Uh, you know, this is this is something I, I, I've never seen. I hope I never see it again. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's just hard to predict. But it, it's becoming normal, the new normal, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, who'd ever thought you'd go through a drive-through with a mask on? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, we, we're doing track rentals here now. Um, you know, that doesn't cover the entire overhead, but it brings in a little income. Yeah. It's the only only income that's coming in right now. Who Who's renting the track? Is it competitors? Yeah, yeah. mainly competitors. Um, and uh, we have a couple driving schools and driving experiences that run out of here. Uh, but it's all competitors. And, you know, they do it to sometimes they bring some other people to get in their cars and stuff. But most of the guys come out here and shake their cars down. Yeah. Uh, we do daytime rentals. We do nighttime rentals. 
Is that something you did before COVID? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we started up about five weeks ago. And it's been real busy up until this week. And it just kind of fell off the map. And I think it's because of 4th of July. I have some bookings right now into, into July right now, but nothing like it was back in May and June. So, so. We're, sitting, we're sitting here July 1st, and we just heard on the news this morning that it's very possible there's going to be another stay-at-home order given tomorrow from the governor. Do you have a new number? <laughs> sorry. Do you have a new date in mind now for if that happens to when you have to shut down for the year to just call it? That would definitely impact it. I mean, if, if he's going to lock the state down again, I know he was having a press conference today at noon. Um, you know, uh, that. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> yeah. like right like now. Right, like right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they roll everything back. Um, and if they do, yeah, I'm going to have to take a hard look at it. Because it, it's not fair to the racers. You know, it's not fair to the fans either. Um, you know, uh, I hadn't thought about that one yet until you hit me with that, with that question. But, you know, if they, if they go to stay at home again, boy, am I going to get a lot of stuff done around the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me ask you this. you got to do laundry. You just wear those 25th <laughs> yeah. anniversary shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll take like a box. Yeah. <laughs> um, California is a big state. Uh, and it's also been probably one of the hardest hit uh, states as a whole in the whole country. Um, but that's primarily places like L.A. County, um, the Bay Area a little bit. Riverside County is not Los Angeles County. How, and it, it, to an extent, Governor Newsom has to react to the counties that are really, really being hit hard. Um, do you feel that in Riverside County you're being held accountable to something that isn't necessarily affecting you guys in the same way? We have far less uh, cases out here than L.A. County. Um, you know, I look at my hometown of Marietta. There's 113,000 people in that town. We've got less than 300 cases. Mm-hmm. Um, being that we're a regional facility that we draw from L.A., Orange County, San Diego, Arizona, Northern California, uh, I don't think we're being treated unfairly. Um, again, you know, last thing I want to do is have an event and then, you know, be traced back here that several people got the virus. I don't know if they're doing the contact tracing now. doesn't seem like they really are. Um, yeah, it's very tough. Um, I mean, we've had to sign, we have a COVID-19 liability release form that everybody that comes on the facility has to sign. Uh, so I've got a stack of them that tall now that people have been here, Mm -hmm. you know, in the last two months. Um, that's a legal thing. It's not like you actually want them to get sick. Right. Yeah. Right. right. You yeah. know, and, and we've had a few people say, I'm not signing it. Said, cool. Okay. Goodbye. All right. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Take off. Yeah. You know, um, so there's a whole new l- layer there. Right. You know, when this thing hit, the first thing I did, I called the insurance company and said, hey, I might not be open this year. Can yeah. we defer some payments? Yeah. Yeah. We got we got a 30 or 45 day, you deferment. know, d- deferment. Yeah. And then yeah. it was like. Pay up. Like now get back to days it. Ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. yeah. 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 You know, so Neat. you know, everybody still wants their peace. Yeah. yeah. Right. Even you though, know, even though there's not a whole lot happening here. Yeah. 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 And it's not like if you're an insurance company, there's any liability with nothing happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so even if Governor Newsom is perhaps making decisions based on a couple of counties that are severely hit, 
um, you understand that. I understand that, but yeah. you, you know, it, there's there's no federal leadership. There's the states are all doing something different, yeah. and the counties are all doing something different. Right. You know, County of Riverside had their own set of guidelines when this first happened, right. and then the board of supervisors got together and threw them all out. Yeah. They just said, "We're done with this. We're just going to do whatever the state says mm-hmm. we're going to do." You know, but then you've got Riverside County Health, and then you got every county's got a different health department. County of Riverside could go out on a limb and say, we're going to stage four before the governor does. Then then, then we're open. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's 25%, 50%, 10%, I don't know. Yeah. Um, is that something you'd like to see since Riverside County is not necessarily as affected? 30 days ago, I would say yes. Right now with the amount of cases uh, and what we're seeing, no. Yeah. I wouldn't feel comfortable opening. That is way too honest. Yeah, I was like, That's oh, he knows the numbers. Controversy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're literally sitting here on top of the grandstands, and directly to our right is a testing area that they've locally set up here in your external parking lot. So it's very much on your front door. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, five days a week. Uh, that's been open now for about six weeks. When they first opened, they averaged about eight cars a day. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, this virus is going to go away as soon as it gets hot. Now it's hot. Now, yeah, yes. it's hot. Now they're yeah. probably averaging 500 cars a day. Yeah, and you're seeing it mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a good reminder, though, to say like, "Oh, this is real." Yeah, it's yeah. it's real. It's real. I mean, anybody that thinks it's not, they're they're living somewhere else. We've been all over the country, and we've talked to people from major road courses, major speedways, down to smaller tracks like Paris Auto Speedway, and uh, one of the things we've noticed is the social media backlash from certain places for not being open in fact we were yelled at on the first day of this trip as if we had any way to talk to the governor of north carolina like yeah. literally we're filming on the side of the road and a guy drove by and said tell the governor tell cooper to kiss my ass tell cooper to kiss my ass <laughs> which now we can't stop saying yeah, right. <laughs> sure but, sir text them right now yeah what kind of pushback are you getting on your social media pages about not being open? Are you getting fans that understand, or are you getting people that just want what they want? Cause we're, they... Getting, we're getting both sides. Okay. We're getting both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the phone's starting to ring more in the office, too, saying, you know, and then we had a phone call, like, the week before uh, the Indianapolis 500 Memorial Weekend, mm-hmm. right? Because we always do salute to Indy. This guy called on Friday. My, <laughs> my wife answered the phone. And, and she had him on the speaker, and he goes, are you guys running your salute to Indy deal Saturday night? And she goes, no, sir, we're, we're closed right now. He goes, over this COVID thing? She goes, yes, sir, we're now closed. And uh, he goes, well, damn, I wonder if they're running the Indy 500 too. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, how can how can sir? people be so out of touch? Right, right, sir. Well, enough that you, you took know, the initiative to call. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you're able to call. Phone. Yeah, <laughs> I, guarantee, I guarantee he's one of our fans that that still needs a printed schedule because he doesn't have an internet, doesn't yeah, have a right, smartphone, right? And you know, but so, but no, we've got it from all over. Yeah, you know, yeah. I have. I, I mean, I listen to the guys when they come out and practice. Why can't we race? Why can't we have fans? Yeah. You know, this is all baloney. You know, it's all, this conspiracy theory, that thing. You know, I just look at them and go, it's a pandemic. I would just yeah. point across the parking lot. Right. Yeah, it's a <laughs> pandemic. Well, and even if it was all fake, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, like, right. the rules right. are the rules. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know, uh, it's just, well, that, you got to go day to day, Yeah. sometimes hour by hour, Right. and react to it. But right now, like I said, when I opened up, we're in survival mode. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like I got somebody throwing money at me yeah. every week. Yeah. yeah. Saying, here, you know, let's let's see if we can keep this thing alive. Well, that was one of the things I was thinking of is, so if I'm going purely on stereotypes, mm-hmm. the stereotype that most of the country has on Southern California <laughs> is a very specific archetype of, of certain political viewpoints, certain lifestyle. That doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, reflect Riverside County uh, in terms of kind of the adopted lifestyle out here yeah there's more and of a there's more of a redneck lifestyle out here. exactly and so i have to think that certain parts of this county really don't like some of the some of the more left-wing stances currently in in the COVID crisis oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it's it's that way in every state i mean <laughs> i mean it's it's like a race promoter i mean the only guy that goes home happy is the guy that won the main event and half, <laughs> the, time, and half the time they're pissed off at you too yeah, oh, yeah. Right, right. so you know, being a politician, a promoter, if you can't, if you can make half the people happy, you're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, you know? right. You've got so, the right attitude. Fifty percent. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's twenty-five years of doing this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What's the capacity of? Uh, we have a Paris? seating capacity of eighty-five hundred. And you guys are on a on your big key events. You're pretty much sold out. Fourth of July, we're standing room only. Yeah. Um, now, let's talk. I mean, let's talk how they measure butts. <laughs> With a tape measure? Yep, yep, like, yeah. yep. A button in California is 18 inches. Oh, I was kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> nope. Now. we got to get you, a ruler out yeah, here. No, but yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. We might qualify. We might. Okay. We might be 20. Okay. But if you watch the race fans and, and 80% of the people that walk in here, they're not 18 inches. They're, right. they're 30 plus. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, realistically, we can seat about 6,000 okay. before we get to standing room only. Okay. But our, we're rated for 8,500. So you can seat 8,500 people here if a butt is 18 inches, yeah. which is a sentence I'd never thought I'd say. <laughs> what kind of impact does a track like this have in the local community? You know, we did a study way back, I think it was 1998, uh, when the county came in and dropped uh, over $350,000 worth of possessory interest tax bills going back to when we built the place like five years worth of bills wow on on my desk yeah well the fairgrounds and oval entertainment jointly hired a legal team and we went and fought it for three years and we had to produce an economic impact of what the speedway produced on a yearly basis okay came out to about 20 million bucks wow in the local economy per year yeah which is pretty huge yeah Yeah. it's not insignificant Yeah. yeah yeah So you guys being shut down hurts. Hurts hurts all the hotels. Hurts yeah. farmer boys. Yeah, yeah. Saturday is a parade of people coming down Ramona Expressway coming here. Yeah. Otherwise, this road doesn't get that much use, huh? So state says now stay-at-home order is going again. Riverside County says we're doing what the state says. What happens if you say now nah, I'm going to run an event? I am sure uh, I would have a visit from the local sheriff. If I ran an event, I'd. I'd be in big trouble. Do you think the sheriff would literally come and break it up? If I had 4,000 people in here, yeah. 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 You, you're technically on a lease agreement uh, to have this property to do mm-hmm. what you're doing. Can that lease be revoked if you were to do something? I'd have to really read the lease. The lease is about 56 pages. Normal standard agreement on a fairgrounds is three. Um, wow. Um and I'm sure if I did something illegal, I'm sure there's language in there that they could potentially cancel it. Look, here's the deal. If I'm going to open up, I got I got 
20 to 25 good friends that work for us on a Saturday night that work for Oval, that work not concessions because right. we subcontract. That. Oval being your famous yeah. company. Right. You know, uh, I, I couldn't put those people in danger. Whether they're selling tickets or, you know, working security or working the pit gate. Right. No. No, there's not. No. So what? You can't put a price on it. You know, it's. This will be over. It may take three more months. You know, I get up every morning, say my prayer. Hopefully, you know, we're going to hear something. We're going to get a vaccine soon. Um, It could take six months. It's like I said, you get up. It's day to day, and if they, if the, if the governor comes down today and says starting tomorrow at noon, lockdown again, I'll go home, and Kim and I will come in here every Monday like we did for almost three months. There was weeds growing out of the racetrack right. surface. I've never seen that in 25 right. years because right. it rained so much in April. We didn't have a car on the track. Right. Because um, it's not like you, can, you can't just walk away. No, there you are can't. still maintenance There's things. Still, you, yeah. we, came, we came in there every Monday yeah. morning. I had to get the mail from the fairgrounds because all the mail goes through there. You know, there's still bills to be paid. You know, I'd walk the facility and check everything. We survived the first nine years here without making money. Most people would have walked. Most families would have said the hell with it. I mean, we were a racing family. You know, race car people and owners. It took us nine years before we, before we made money here. Yeah. A couple dark questions. Um is there a point where this isn't worth it anymore? Maybe. Maybe. You know, uh, there's other options out there. You know, um, I mean, right now this business has a value of zero. I mean, just be blunt, zero. Um, you know, it, had, it had a good value before going into this, uh, but right now it's it's nobody nobody would think about buying this place right now. Um, if it goes for another year and year and a half, what what happens? And, and we saw it in the recession when you start losing car owners, and the the general guy that has a street stock or a factory stock or modified can't afford to race anymore and you go from averaging 90 cars to 30 every, everything craters your ticket sales go down um you know I, I that's like like i said we used to run 45 events and when the recession hit we went all the way to 22 to survive um i don't you know, if this lasts another 18 months, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, from a society, yeah. what are we going to do? You know? Um, but specific to this track, is is there a sort of a minimal or no income point where you just can't even bother anymore? Yeah, I would think it'd be probably a year from today. Okay. Yeah. You know, there are hundreds of short tracks all around the country. Yes. Not too different from a position of the, right. that you're in. Um, if this continues as it is, when things go back to normal, how many do you think are going to be left standing? At best, forty percent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The the good operators will be still around. I mean, 
I can't tell you how many promoters have been at the Orange Show since we opened. I can't tell you how many promoters tried to make it work in Victorville. Um, you know, I, guys would always come to me and go, well, he's doing this there, he's doing that there. And I go, yeah, watch how long he lasts. So this fairground model, if we want to call it that, is fairly common, especially in California. Um, what do you think the future is for this kind of dealing now that we've seen a really bad example of how, how convoluted it can get? I think you're going to see uh, probably half the tracks go away. I think you're going to see uh, possibly all the agreements renegotiated down the line, uh, some in favor of the promoter, some in favor of the fairgrounds, depending upon the fairgrounds' own situation. Um, it's, uh, I mean, we're all partnered together, and uh, it's got to be good for all parties. It can't be one way. Um, it took us 10 years to massage our original agreement to the point where it was for both sides. Because originally it was one-sided to the fairgrounds only. And uh, so, you know, the, 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 the good will still be good. The bad are going to go away. Um, you know, there's, again, I've been doing this for 25 years. There aren't too many people in the country that can say they've done that at one racetrack in 25 years. Um, you know, I know there's new promoters up north. I think Peter Murphy just stepped into, I think, uh, Hanford. I'm sure <laughs> he didn't have a pandemic on his mind when he took over that track. Um, you know, I feel for these guys. Um, but the good will survive, hopefully. And uh, the people that don't have deep pockets won't or aren't, aren't creative, you know. So just plain and simple. For the For the tracks that do make it, do you think the fans are going to come back? Yeah, you know it may take some time. It may, you, you know, you may see you may see a twenty-five percent decrease when you finally reopen again. Um, you know, uh, again, the good tracks have got a fan base that are that are real loyal fans. Uh, I put ourselves in that category. Um, you know, and it really depends on number one, what time of year. If there's a vaccine, uh, you know, just throw the balls up in the air. And, you know, if you want to be as pessimistic as you want, then quit and go home. you got to be optimistic and keep your head on straight and and move forward. You know, but it's hard. Like I, I, like I said, it's the, it's the corona coaster. It's the roller coaster. You're up and down, up and down, depending upon what's going on in your own area. We lived through the, re- you know, whatever they call it, Great Recession, Depression, whatever it was. You know, and uh, I mean, it got down to the point. <laughs> My wife and I were doing the Sunday cleanup. Just you two. Just two yeah. of us. Just picking yeah. up. We got rid of the crew. We were walking the grandstand. popcorn and picking up coke cans. I was cleaning the bathrooms. Yeah. I got rid of everybody to survive. Yeah. Um, Good God. Yeah. Yeah. You're committed. Yeah. Yeah. I put on the backpack blower on Monday morning and blow the peanut shells from one end to the other, down to the other end. I did that about eight or ten times, and I finally went to my concessionaire. I said, how much money do I make on peanuts? Because I'm thinking about getting rid of them, because I hate them right now. <laughs> Is this worth it? Yeah. yeah, and then he told me, I went, okay, I'll keep blowing. <laughs> Just like Roger Slack did. Yeah, it's the same thing Roger Slack did. Yeah. <laughs> so this should be coming out wintertime. Where is uh, Paris Auto Speedway at that point? 
I would say this winter, if I had a crystal ball, I'd say we're going to be in the same position we're at today. Wow. I don't think we, have op we will have opened this year. Uh, if you had asked me four weeks ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, we're opening up mid-July. Mid Sitting today, I see us still sitting here. We're going to have all three tracks available to rent. Uh, you know, uh, I don't see a spectator sitting in this grandstands this year. I just don't, which is heartbreaking. You know, it's hard to take, hard to swallow. But you're still open. Yeah. So next up on this episode of government-owned racetracks is, of course, one that's synonymous with being owned by a county, and that is, of course, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, which is very famously owned by Monterey County in California. I believe the correct phrase is government. Obviously, if you follow our show, you're probably into road racing of some sort, so Laguna Seca or WeatherTech Raceway, it is one of the coolest road courses we go to, tons of history lots of fan love for this place however it is always seemingly in the headlines for the local community having some sort of issue with how the track should be run who benefits what and so it's already a hot topic issue and sean and i could not wait to get up to WeatherTech raceway because we knew there'd be some sort of story based on the previous issues that the place has had when it comes to government and how they deal with things because now that COVID's taking place this seems like a real hot button issue. So we're going to have two people speak back to back. We're not going to have all this introduction stuff in between them. We're going to hear from Barry Tepke, who does a lot of the marketing and PR management of WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. And right after that, you're going to hear from Supervisor Mary Adams, who is the supervisor for Monterey County. They're both, of course, very involved in different elements of the way WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca is run. They both have their own kind of perspectives and unique things to say. So I don't know. Should we listen? Yeah, I just want to point out that we had sandwiches from Safeway, and uh, they were actually delicious. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Ryan has raced here a hundred times. Yeah. This is my home track. Um, it's crazy to be here on a day and just see literally nothing going on. Um, how long has this been like this? Well... We uh, closed up on March 15 when the pandemic hit, and um, yeah, everything was quiet. We don't like a quiet racetrack around <laughs> here. I mean, it's just boring. You know, wildlife is okay, but yeah, we needed some noise. So we had some uh, graduations. We had uh, seven different graduations out here, which started the process. And then put the protocols of the health and safety and the face masks and the and the you know the hand washing and the sanitizing and things like that. And so we opened up to track renters on uh, June 1. So we've had a pretty busy schedule uh, so far being the 4th of July weekend it's quiet a little bit right now <clears throat> but uh, we have a track runner coming in tomorrow and we'll be busy for that throughout the weekend so hopefully we're getting back into things and certainly there's the pent-up demand for some of these people who wanted to come race yeah they're, they're just thrilled to be out here they're following the protocols we have to do all that stuff but um, it's fun to see the cars back out and we had an SCCA weekend a couple weekends ago where we had about 250 cars and everything went smoothly as could be. So we're hope we're positive, we're optimistic because we've got our first race coming up in September, which is IndyCar. So whereas VIR is owned by an individual, what's the ownership at Laguna Seca? 
Right now, it, it, the county of Monterey has always owned it. It was former uh, Fort Ord property, so this was all at military. That's why when you're coming up, you say A Road and B Road. Yeah. Very militaristic. But um, so county of Monterey owns it. And we have a management agreement with the county of Monterey. Scramp, the previous uh, organizing body, or management, they had a concessionaire agreement. Uh, they went away in December. A&D Narigi Consultants took it over in January 1. I came back when he took it over. And, um, but the county of Monterey owns all assets. We have a management fee arrangement with them. And it's actually, given what's gone on in the pandemic, it's probably the best thing that it is County of Monterey owned because if it was Scramp or if it was another organization closing down for two and a half months, no income, that's tough. And, and you know, don't think that would happen. I would hate to say Laguna Seca closing, you know, because of that. But because of the County of Monterey ownership, it's going to flourish. Campgrounds just reopened uh, last week. And uh, so we've got some things going on there. So we're excited about it. But it's, it's a different, you know, management with the County of Monterey. It's a very a new, a unique situation. But uh, it's, I think, the best thing for the facility in the long term. And we talked a little bit earlier about, is it going to be a housing development after year one? Not a chance. Laguna Seca is not going away. It's going to be a racetrack. There's too much history here, as, as you guys know. So for the last couple of years, Laguna Seca has been in the headlines for reasons beyond the racetrack um, and a lot of management shifting, a lot of issues as it, as it relates to the county. One could look at the current shutdown as having the potential to be sort of a final death blow to the track in a time when it's already been in kind of a tenuous position. Mm-hmm. Um, but you feel like it's actually been the opposite because this has given almost like a cool down period to, to change management. Absolutely. I mean, we came in January 1 with a new, new, new company. <clears throat> And uh, it's given the opportunity for the company to come in and look at the accounting, look at the infrastructure, plan ahead. I mean, we didn't want it to close down, obviously. But we're taking this time to assess what is necessary, what infrastructure places need to be put in, personnel put in, working on the volunteer side of things as well. And uh, we're anxious to get IndyCar back here in September. And, you know, God willing, we'll have uh, spectators. That's our next protocol that we're trying to put into place. You know, we have 580 acres here. We can social distance very easily. In terms of when you first heard about the coronavirus and when it actually became something that affected you here, can you give us a rundown on that? Uh, we heard about it, obviously, when the rest of the world started hearing about it. And we were shut down on March 15. That was our last truck rental. Yeah. Had to move. You know, as you guys know, we're busy almost 365 days of the year on truck renters with uh, you know, major car companies coming in doing media launches we had to cancel one of those unfortunately and that's what's really what started it is they couldn't get out of germany in order to get in the u.s that's uh-huh. when it really started happening that we have a problem here as well uh, so we had to cancel that fortunately you know if, if you look at the silver lining we had scheduled a um, track repaving right after indycar so we had blocked out about 40 almost 60 days on the calendar which was open now that we're not doing that for this year, we were able to move a lot of the track renters into those dates. Mm-hmm. But it obviously, it keeps changing. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had uh, Trans Am move their dates to December. Uh, IMSA has moved their dates now twice. Uh, they're now at the end of uh, well, the end of September, I believe. And yeah. um, you know, so we had to adjust. And the series have been working really well. They've been communicating IndyCar and IMSA, just terrific communication with all their partners, sponsors, and mm-hmm. tracks of we're in this together. So how can we help you? You help us. And we want people on the track. And 
so do the sponsors. Right. California was really one of the first to clamp down, uh, but that's also because you've got areas like the Bay Area in San Francisco, San Mateo County, Los Angeles County, further south, fairly high traffic congested areas. Monterey County is not one of those counties. Do you feel like this track and this county have had to deal with measures that aren't necessarily directed at them? Um, Not necessarily so. Uh, We have a big agriculture industry. And the, the prevailing wages that they're paid, they, they live in, you know, six families to a house because they don't get paid very much. Um, they're bringing people in during, during a season to help, you know, do the, do, the, do the agricultural work. So we've had a big spike in the Salinas Valley area. It's starting to come into Monterey County a little bit. And our health director has really wanted to make sure that our county is safe. And he's following Cal OSHA and the state governor of what protocols are in place, he will follow those protocols. We've loosened up a little bit. We had some uh, dining and bars are now open. I'm hearing today that that might be changing. Uh, Obviously, 19 counties yesterday or the day before have been been shut down. I am now hearing that Monterey is probably going to be shut down by the end of today or tomorrow morning for the 4th of July weekend. Beaches are closed again. Um, So, you know, did, you know, the Governor Newsom is getting credit for shutting down early, and then obviously everyone's loosening up. It's coming back, kind of some predicted. Uh, so maybe we shut, maybe we opened up too early. Don't know how that will affect us here. We're hoping that our, our protocols that we still have in place for the private track rentals will still be unaffected because we do a very close you know, tracking of them. Public events, that's a whole different thing. So we've been all over the country now, and in some places, including Indiana, where racetracks are a very big deal, they weren't actually classified initially. What's the... What's the classification here for Laguna Seca? We're unique, <laughs> I think, because they opened up horse racing. But racetracks has really been under the radar, so we've been using um, outdoor, like zoos, kind of using what their uh, protocols are, you know, outdoor, open. Uh, but there really isn't anything that that um, says, okay, a racetrack can do this and cannot do this. I'm going to stop you there. Uh, Laguna Seca? took the attitude that we're the same as a zoo or the state of California is like, no, you guys are basically zoos. <laughs> we that makes like, me very happy. We act like zoo people. That's perfectly acceptable. No, we, we're following their protocols to see what, what is accepted for zoos and seeing how we can adapt what those protocols protocols are so that right. we can also follow those and maybe you know additional ones but when you but say kind we, of using is we as in Laguna, Laguna Seca okay. yeah okay. yep absolutely so no one's saying you guys are this no okay. no we're, we call ourselves the zookeepers right. yes <laughs> it's fair we've been called many other things <laughs> trust me have you seen the internet <laughs> it's all true right yeah, if, all. if it's written it mm. must be true mm. right mm. so so California has different phases to allow reopening and basically you know phase 2 applies to or phase three, you know, apply to hair salons or, or outdoor stadiums mm-hmm. or whatever. There is no uniform placement for racetracks. Not really, but okay. if you if you kind of look at it, we're in Monterey County is currently in stage two and a half. How that impacts now, I'm not sure. But when live public events are stage four, so we're trying not to be a live public event like a, a football game. You know, basketball arena, things like that. We don't want to be classified along those lines because... Because they're further along in the plan? Uh, not further along in the plan, but you, you can't social distance. Mm-hmm. No, I you, you are, you are I stuck in your seat. Your seat is your okay. seat. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, we looked at, um, I think it was the Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. uh, COVID plan, and they did a great job at how they're going to, if they can open, 
assigned seats. Families, you can do two and four, and then you have this surrounding around that, that's open. Um, they put a great protocol in. So we're kind of watching what they did and, and other racetracks, and you know, we, we all talk together. We have the Road Racing Industry Council that meets about once every other month. And the, what are you doing? What are you doing here? What works? You know, how, you know any problems? And um, you know, we, everyone's sharing, you know, because we're all in this together. We really want racing back on the tracks. So you would challenge the idea of being called the sports stadium because as opposed to something like say an oval <coughs> where everyone is in fact seated next to each other in sort of a bleacher environment, racetracks aren't that way. You can meander around and therefore shouldn't be held to those same standards. Especially a road course like this. Right. I mean, up in the corkscrew, all the hillsides. Um, you know, when we had MotoGP, you know, people were just everywhere. Yes, they were in the grandstands, but we can control the grandstands or close them off entirely and still people will be able to walk around. We've talked about, you know, do we close off the paddock? You know, so it's limited access to the paddock for just the teams and, and the crew. You know, things like that. We've we've got plans for depending on what type of of uh, program and mandates are in place at that time. You know, our goal is to you know get IndyCar off that weekend of September 18, 19, and 20. Have spectators. What those spectators are allowed to do, where they'll go, that's to be determined, obviously. But we have different different con- contingency plans of how to bring them into the facility in a safe manner. So even prior to all this, Laguna Seca has always been very unique compared to other tracks because you're only allowed on any year to have five kind of major public events. Correct. So I've always been kind of under the impression with COVID that you guys may not be as hard hit because so much of your income was generated outside of those five public events anyway. True. Um, we we make money on the events, obviously. Um, And by pushing them back. I mean, if you look at our calendar now, you know, September, October, November, well, September, October, and December, we're very busy. I mean, we, and, you know, knock on wood that we can still hold these events. We just had a great meeting with uh, Trans Am yesterday. Again, they're on fully on board. They want spectators. They have, uh, they're going to fill up the paddock in December. It'll be interesting when the, it gets darker earlier. <laughs> we, we talked about that a little bit. So like, remember, it's, you know, December, the hours are going to be a little bit different than May. But, um, you know, again, people are excited and they're adapting to what the rules are at the given time that we can have them. Yeah. Like. When I first heard that we were going to be heavily delayed on our race season, I was really concerned for, like, <clears throat> mechanics well-being and people that are really behind the scenes of what makes our operations go. And you have 35 full-time employees here. What did you have to do in terms of layoffs and furloughs to keep the doors open? We did do some layoffs and furloughs. Um, you know, it just made business sense when it's shelter in place. There was a few of us that did come into the office every day because we had campsites open. Mm-hmm. We closed the campsites, but we still had uh, seven who were sheltering in place. So therefore... We were kind of an essential business at that point okay. to make sure that the campsites were, were taken care of. So we came in, and um, everyone's back now. There was two people that said, you know, I'm making more money by being on the <laughs> COVID plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so they did not come back for <laughs> whatever reasons. Uh, they've been replaced with, with you know, new people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pent-up demand for for jobs, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And uh, we have some. We have a new uh, communications coordinator starting on Monday, who wants to be an automotive writer. She wants to do test drives. She's been a motorsports person. So it's like, while we lost one, we're gaining someone with really great experience. One of the unique considerations about Laguna Seca is that the ownership is a government-controlled entity. In other words, it's 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 not private ownership. It's not some business conglomerate. It is the county of Monterey 
that owns this facility. Does that change some of the approach you have to take during a time like this? Um, not really. Uh, the, you know, the county has been super supportive of not wanting to shut this place down. And you know, certainly they're not going to because they know, I'm not going to say cash cow, but this certainly does bring in a significant revenue. When it's operating at full, full capacity, it, it does very well. I think for anyone in our line of work, when it comes to spouses, family members, Laguna Seca is always kind of one of the top three or four events they want to go to. Yeah. And it's because Monterey. You know, Monterey, it's all right Car- here. Yeah. You have Carmel, right. you have all the shopping, you have the wineries. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's um, not a bad place. Yeah. Right. So even if the track is open for private rental, let's say for a wealthy club racer, if the nightlife or the nice restaurant scene that you have next door is closed, does that kill some of the appeal? I'm going to ask you to cater. You know, you bring, you bring this your is not going to sell a lot you of the people Bring your sandwiches know. in, <laughs> right, and we're going to yeah. be just fine. I'm not sure we about that. we got a lot that. of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think we can fit. Barry, we're busy. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> trying to give you some money. Trying to give you some... <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no. <laughs> trying to help we out We make here. so much on this show yeah. that we're fine. We're swimming in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, can we pay for it with exposure? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> First question, then. Big Little Lies. Documentary or completely scripted nonsense? <laughs> well, I'm not going to go with fully scripted nonsense, but I think it was fully scripted. Sure. There isn't a, a secret story that I know of that uh, backs up the story of Big Little Lies in our community. Okay. Do you Have you seen the show? Oh, yes. Can you, can you identify each one of those characters in real life Monterey? Could I? Yes, yeah. I could. I really could. That's how the documentary. A lovely big circle of friends, and the area that I represent just embodies the whole panoply. I represent Monterey, Carmel, Pacific Grove, Pebble Beach, Carmel Valley, Big Sur, and uh, the wine corridor. So believe me, it's all in uh, my district, and I know people very similar to some of the characters who are in it. Maybe not the one husband, but beyond him. (laughs) So the sort of... uh, uh inner wife circle of that show isn't terribly unrealistic i don't think so you know honestly uh i think that any woman who has a really strong cadre of friends you know it's not like a posse you interact <laughs> with one another in a very different way right. and i you know i acknowledge that within that group and a lot of support for one another sure all right all right that you answered that like a perfect politician i give you credit Ooh, no it's a good thing it's a good thing <laughs> all right I live in Los Angeles. I grew up in San Francisco. California has always been my home state. I would argue Monterey County is nothing like LA County or, or San Mateo County. It's it's kind of its own culture, its own economy. And so I have to think it's very different affected compared to other parts of the, the state. Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not so provincial to think that Monterey is just totally unique. It really is an unusual and wonderful place. And because we do have such a diverse, uh, two very, very diverse uh, economic drivers, the hospitality on the one side and then the ag, uh, ag community on the other side, it really makes for a, a very um, different mix, if you want to think that way. And when I look at Los Angeles, I'm familiar with it. There are different communities within LA that I would, you know, say could be similar to some places in Monterey. You know, there are some comparisons, but looking at the geographic and the economic uh, county as a whole, you're absolutely correct. There's not much 
not much sameness there. Sure. Um, and, and by that standard, L.A. County is currently one of the most affected counties in the entire country uh, in the current pandemic. And Monterey County is not. Well, we are fortunate or perhaps not so. We are on the governor's watch list, which uh, is really very difficult for us because we had Monterey County um, did not. We were a little bit behind the curve, I guess I could say. We did not have some of the same issues at the beginning of the pandemic. We were set up very, very well. We set up alternative care sites and we set up alternative uh, housing sites. We were ready to roll. Um, you know, by April, we were ready to roll. And it was, it, we just fortunately were not getting the, uh, the exposure at that point. But then things changed because as the growing season started to ramp up and workers came in from other parts of the state and other parts of the country, all of a sudden we started to see the incidences of COVID start to rise in our community. So, um, and then, it, you know, definitely I was so proud because the ag industry really came up to the plate. They started providing separate housing for people to be able to go to, um, if they had no place where they could quarantine or, uh, or recover, they set up separate hotel rooms for them. So they were really, you know, honestly, just stood up to the plate and really took ownership of the issues within that industry. And I was really very, very pleased. So during that time, we were still in phase one, meaning over on my side of the county, where I'll have all the hotels and all the restaurants, et cetera, we were just totally shut down. We couldn't do anything. And it was really, really painful and very difficult because so much of the um, economic engine on our side of the county, the hospitality and visitor side, drives the um, tax base that allows us to provide services for all of the other people in the county. So, you know, we have this mixed bag. We were all feeling worried and terrible uh, for the businesses that were closed, for the people who were out of their jobs. But those of us on the political side were also feeling so bad because we knew what the long-term outcome would be. Right. That the budget would just go to hell in a handbasket and we wouldn't be able to provide the needed services, which would become even more exacerbated because of all of the people being out of work. So it, you know, it was a full circle issue that was really, really difficult to deal with. Now so I, if you don't mind my going on, I'm not sure. going to give you a chance to say a word. I'm no, just I'm fine. Talk. That's fine. Make it easy. <laughs> but I'll just complete the thought. So you know, everything was shut down, and then my goodness, our numbers were great. You know, we had all of the metrics worked out. The governor, you know, took us off that list, and we were able to open the restaurants and open up uh, a lot of other kinds of places, nail salons, hair salons, those came a little later, restaurants came first. And it was wonderful. It was just so fantastic. People came back to work, people started going out to dinner, it was always really wonderful. And then we had another spike. And then we started looking at the, the metrics and the governor started looking at the metrics and then he shut us down again. So to have that up and down has really been an emotional ride for so many people in our community. I know now that many of the businesses that finally could open up again were just hanging on by their teeth only to see it, just the rug pulled out from under them. And I know a lot of them aren't going to be able to make it. So economically, um, in my mind, and I don't know, I mean, I don't I have no data to back this up, but there's kind of two major industries in, in Monterey County, as far as I understand it. There's hospitality, tourism, if we want to call it that. Yeah. Um, and then there's agricultural. Um, is agricultural considered essential? Has that, did that have to stop? No, that that is an essential work. Okay. That is essential work. So, and these workers, these poor workers, would go out every day, putting themselves in harm's way. You know, I mean, it's very difficult. You can, yeah, you can wear a mask, and that's really good. 
but to try to keep six feet of distance while you're trying to glean a field is very hard to do. And then in addition to that, they would go back to living circumstances that were crowded and there was no place to be able to, to separate and distance. So, you know, those two factors really made it tough. But yeah, essential workers who every day put their lives on the line. When Ryan and I started our road trip, we were starting to ramp up at the end of May. We left at the beginning of June. Here in LA County, I left just in time for things to start opening up a little bit. Um, Gym started mm-hmm. to open, restaurants were starting to open. I came back seven weeks later and it's all closed down again. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna keep saying this, LA County is not Monterey County, but I feel like you guys are being held to the same standards, even though you're not necessarily contributing to the numbers in the same way that LA County is. Is that fair? Well, you know, it's by per capita. You know, it's not like, okay, you have to have uh, X number of people have to be, you know, diagnosed. Well, if that were the case, and it was LA and Monterey on the same playing field, we'd be in seventh heaven because we had so fewer uh, than Los Angeles would. But as far as the disease goes, it's not paying attention to county lines. You know, so it's it's everywhere, everywhere. And um, I, I don't think the governor is making a mistake by um, setting the standards that he has, setting the metrics that he has. Our, our county is in such better shape than many others. We have four hospitals here for a county of uh, about five, 450,000 uh, people. So we are in such good shape. And the second part of that is that the county administrator, the uh, hospital administrators all speak well together. In fact, we just had a press conference a couple of hours ago where they were you know, laying out what the, the, their future plan and approach is. Right. You know, so that puts us in better shape than a lot of other places. So, I mean, obviously you're, <laughs> Of course, you you need to you need to toe the company line, so to speak. But uh, you honestly don't feel it that you're being held back because of areas and counties that are that are not yours. No, I don't feel that way, and I'm not really speaking any kind of a party line, or you know, don't want Gavin Newsom to get mad at me, you know. But I really believe that the, the approach is right. What's what's another thing that I I find interesting about all of this is that we are, Monterey County is a favorite visitation spot from people who live in Los Angeles. Oh, I know. You know, I mean, you're probably a good example of that. We have to be so conscious of people, of looking at the state as one whole, because we've got migration going from LA to Monterey, you know, every day. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think that's an appropriate approach to take. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk about racetracks and let's be a little less serious. We, we visited Laguna Seca a few weeks ago and, and most people who follow racing already know this, but just from your perspective, who owns Laguna Seca? I do. The person next door to me does. Any taxpayer in Monterey County owns Laguna Seca. It is the county's racetrack. We act, the county actually owns it. And so um, I believe that those of us who live here are fortunate to, to own it. And I must say, as you probably have seen from if you come to the track and up, Laguna Seca has a real, um, holds a lot of, uh, the people who live here hold a lot of affection for Laguna Seca. You know, we really do hold it as our own. There, There's a lot of public participation, a lot of volunteerism, a lot of people come to the events at the track. I've been going to the track for so long that I've seen both the Grateful Dead and the Pope at Laguna Seca. <laughs> so what can I tell you? I got to put you on the spot. Which one was better? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the maybe uh, the dad had a little enhancement with it. <laughs> That's why I would vote for you right there. All right, 
she did inhale. So here's something we noticed when we travel around the country. Um, there's there's several racetracks in California, but let's go talk about a place like North Carolina or Indiana, places where racing is a huge part of, of the state's livelihood. Even in those states, racetracks kind of don't have their own classification. You know, so a hair salon is a hair salon and there are state guidelines that meet that. Uh, racetracks oftentimes don't, have a specific box that they check some places they're a sports stadium other places they're a campground what are they to monterey county you know we've we've talked about this um both at the monterey county board of supervisors level and then just in general conversation with with people around and people who are involved with the track and honestly we view it as a park a recreational park because we have things that are separate from the uh, from the track that uh, that go on there we have a shooting range we have uh, recreational uh, vehicle area campgrounds essentially that are not necessarily connected with racing events um, and we do a lot of other things at the track as well as an example we had all of the high school graduations at the track this year at the Gunaseka. it was so cool all of the grads with their families and the separate individual cars got to do a victory lap at the end on the track and it really was really was wonderful so, you know, that's the sort of reason why we view it more as a recreational park. I was thinking maybe it would be an entertainment venue, right. but it, it's not that. It's really a park. So uh, as guidelines continue to change, if Governor Newsom decides to, you know, enter another phase as things change, you guys, Laguna Seca, to your mind, would fit the park guidelines? We are already in the park guidelines. Okay. Yeah. So we're good that way. We're good that way. And we have some things that are going on, but you know the biggest issue, of course, is the social distancing. We're already doing uh, track days um, uh, uh, at Laguna Seca, but without any uh, people as observers. You know, we aren't allowed to have anybody in the uh, in the grandstands or anything like that. Right, right. But oh. we do track rental. Okay, and as long as it fits the capacity rules, you have to keep. Exactly. Yeah. Copy. Yeah. How? kind of hands-on are you in that process because obviously Laguna's got their own management and even though technically you're part of the Board of Supervisors that own it are you like are you hearing from them weekly monthly I don't know how it works so I have a really good relationship with um, both within the staff at the county who work uh, within the track and also with the uh, the management team uh, the the contractor uh, at the track so I'm in close I'm in contact very regularly as an example when um, we found out that it was, you know, pretty tough that we weren't going to have the big race, you know, right. at the end of the, the season this year, he texted me before uh, it even went to the county because he knew I would want to know. You're talking about John, the president? John Norici, yeah. yeah, texted me so I would know in advance before it even got to the uh, to the county staff level. Right. And I very much appreciate that. It's in my district. So um, the track, of course, is in my district. So I have, uh, you know, I really feel not just wed to it from my own past experience, but really responsible for it. And it's also a big economic driver in the community. So, you know, it's not only the bottom line that I care about, but I do care about the bottom line. It generates, you know, more than $85 million a year in spending. And, you know, that it's a real loss that we've got right now having to cut back and appropriately, though, you know, appropriately. So all of the big races having to to pull out. But, boy, it's it's really going to be tough. It is really going to be tough. 
it seems like every racetrack in the country has that. Has there been an economic impact study for Monterey County on big public events like IndyCar coming and things like that? Yes, yeah. The last one that we did was before we had IndyCar here again. This was in 2018. So we had done a very thorough um, study. So we knew how much people spend um, on hotels and how much they, what's the added benefit that we get from it. So yeah, so we have done one. We did a, a really thorough one in 2018 to kind of figure out where we were. Did the direct spending by category, you know, which race brought in how much, how much per person uh, people spent while they were here, how many room nights, hotel nights were were, uh, were done, what was the, was the tax that was generated by it all. So we really, you know, had a lot, quite a bit that, um, you know, that we were able to look at and uh, use now as a base for where we need to go. It helps us in the strategic planning around things with the track as well. Right. Laguna Seca has about a half dozen major events, we'll call them, every year. Um, the two or three biggest ones, I would argue, are you have the historics, now you have IndyCar, uh, motorcycle racing, a little bit of sports car. Um, all of those are canceled for 2020. What does that do to the area? Well, it, it's devastating. You know, it is absolutely devastating. It's devastating from primarily from a financial way, but it's also devastating just personally. You know, it's probably the biggest thing that we have that is plunked right down the middle of our district and in the county that people can notice the absence. Now, granted, there are a lot of people who live in that neighborhood and the you know nearby right. that are pretty not pretty glad that we're not having any track right. days that has a lot of uh, noise and a lot of traffic. Uh, associated with it but um from my perspective it's just a really painful absence a really painful absence well you bring up another question which is um for those of us who follow racing and really follow the the last several years with laguna seca it's been an interesting time and there seems to have been a several decade long battle with kind of local residents against track management and everything and and so Laguna Seca, as as we know it now, is under a new management this year. Mm-hmm. Um, according to media reports that we read, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a contentious relationship. When something like this happens, where theoretically the track is even less profitable than it would have been previously, do you hit a point where you're just like, you know what, we can make more tax revenue by making this a housing development? Over my dead body, quite frankly. And I think over um, the objection of so many people, it would never, it would not, that would not happen. You know, that would not happen. Um, Whether it would be converted to a park that was just open space, I really think that would be a difficult sell as well. You know, I really do. I really do. But turn it into a housing development, no, that would not happen. And for a lot of practical reasons, there's no water for it, number one. But, um, you know, for a lot of other reasons as well. Right. So even so essentially you and the board are, you know, you have to look at everything every year and say, okay, what is what is this doing for the county and whatnot? So even on a year like this year where Laguna Seca will likely underperform previous years in terms of numbers, (laughs) it doesn't sound like at any point you're sitting there going, forget it. We don't need this. That hasn't been a conversation that we have had at this time. No, I can tell you that um, we're we've worked on our budget worked out well this year because we had a very, very strong early part of, of our fiscal year, really strong before everything, you know, had to shut down. Right. So that was, that's really good, but we're going to have to redo our budget in uh, just a few months. Right. And that's when we're going to have to make some pretty tough decisions, but no one has mentioned to me or anyone else that I know 
that we would con consider totally, you know, selling Laguna Seca, selling the property to turn it into to housing development or any anything else. Will it be on the same uh, uh, chopping block that everything else will be? Yeah, we're going to have to examine everything, absolutely everything, and determine, you know, when you really look at the return on the investment, you can't just look at it in this very narrow um, space of time because this is such a unique time frame. You know, who the hell knew we were going to have a pandemic? Right. You know, we've got to be able to look at it for the long haul. Right. Well, but in that same sense, Laguna Seca, I would say for the last 10 years, has been a challenge uh, for somebody like yourself in terms of understanding what should we be making out of this? What's it worth to us? Things like that. So you say it's not going to become a housing development, but at the same time, could you see, especially now that we're, if we eclipse this 10 years within a horrendous financial year, could it be possible that the track could be put under a completely different scenario than we've known it in previous years? So, I, you know, of course, anything is possible. I have no, I, I'm, I'd be interested to know what you would see and what you have seen in the travels that you've done to tracks all around the country and probably all around the world. But no one has been able to predict what uh, tracks would do in the middle of a pandemic before. So I think, uh, you know, I'd, I would turn the question back to you and, and say what, you know, what success have you seen? You know, I, I love this this comment that I was just on a, a water meeting about. It says, absent data, definitely trust your instincts, yeah. but get data. And, you know. <laughs> that, I don't know if you've been on the internet recently, but that doesn't work. <laughs> but, anyway. you know, truthfully, it, I, I think we're going to have to look at everything that we yeah. have with the county. You know, just look at everything and and. Plus, you know, with Laguna Seca, it's a structure. We've got things out there. Right. You can't just, you know, lock the gate and say, we'll come back in a couple of years and see right. how things are going. You know, it doesn't work that way. Right. Nor would it work that way with a lot of the uh, other parks that we have yeah. throughout the county. Yeah. Monterey County is, of course, massive tourism industry. It is legitimately one of the handful of racetracks that uh, spouses want to go to. Because, like, they don't care about the racetrack. They care about Monterey County. Um, obviously, it's a tough time for a lot of the, the hospitality industry there. Have in When you guys look over everything and try to work with local businesses out there, does the racetrack specifically come up? Uh, the racetrack, the, the uh, general manager now, or the uh, contractor, is part of the Monterey County Hospitality Association. Because he was a hotelier before he retired. Right. And, and a turnaround expert, which is why we brought him on. He's still active in those organizations. So definitely, and you know, even before we went to the model that we have right now, when we would look at um, what are some of the key components of the hospitality industry, the track was definitely one. As I mentioned, $85 million a year is nothing to sneeze at. No. You know, and when you pull those big races out of the uh, the calendar, right. you know, you can see the difference and you can feel it. It's a lot of uh, a lot of people who are coming to hotels. The restaurant seats are all full. You know, town is bustling. You can go out past 8 p.m. and still see people around. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it's not like that? I wouldn't know any other weekend. One other thing kind of off, uh, off script. I'll give you the background because I'm guessing you don't know it. Um, are you familiar with Ace Speedway in North Carolina? I've heard of it, yeah. If there was an Ace Speedway in Monterey County, if there was a racetrack that just said, we're going to do it our own way, you supervisor aren't going to tell us what to do, Governor Newsom's not going to tell us what to do, at what point on a county level would you have to take action? Um, I think we would take action swiftly, quite frankly, 
because we are so conscious of of the health of the people who live here. You know, we really are. So if that if we were aware that this was going to be happening, the we would get the sheriffs involved. You know, just right off the bat, um, we'd have a sit down with attempt to have a sit down with the owners of the track and you know explain to them, educate. This is why you're not going to be allowed to do this. If they protested and did it anyway, then we would have to bring the sheriff in, and or ensure that the DA is involved as well because they are actually breaking the law and we would be able to pro uh, prosecute them in that regard. And the way you prosecute is start with an arrest. So um, that's what I believe we would do. We had to do that at a restaurant in Carmel. Small restaurant, um, person who had it had a very different approach toward life in general. Um, and he kept, he did it twice. And the third time the uh, sheriff was over and I was arrested. And that was it. Yeah. And that was it, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so thinking about that restaurant and translating it to somebody like a Speedway, Mm -hmm. um, does that restaurant screw it up for everybody else? You know, that was such a, that's such a great question. And it, it was very interesting to observe how this went. Um, there were people who were not locals. Locals would not go to that restaurant. But all of the other people in town, all the other restaurateurs in town were obeying the law. And they were down on the guy. They were totally down on him. It did not spark two or three other restaurants to give it a try. It was the exact opposite. It did not. Yeah, yeah. So I was really pleased to see that because you don't know. I mean, people are dying. They're losing their everything they've built up throughout their lives. But I was really pleased to see the kind of, uh, of behavior that was exhibited that did not support the guy. And, you know, as I said, people who went there were from out of town and they were all jerks who didn't wear, wear uh, masks. Yeah. And if they did, they probably were trying to smoke cigarettes as well. So right. there you have it. So it's, it's an all, it's a, it's a twofer, really. So, all right. Well, that, that totally translates. So by the time this airs, it'll probably be around November. Where is Laguna Seca by the time people see this? My guess is that it won't be very different than it is right now. I expect that um, we will still be experiencing COVID. I doubt very much that there will be a vaccine that's in place by November or December when we're able to really make a change in that regard. So I expect that we would we'll still be doing track uh, rental days at the, at the racetrack. I doubt very much that we will um, be able to do much beyond that. I think we probably will start uh, by that time have secured contracts for the new racing season. And I think a lot of people, including myself, will be optimistic that we will have a vaccine that will really start to be in effect so that by March of 2021, we're going to be close to uh, opening things up. I don't think we're ever going to experience the kind of normal that we had in the past or that we even have uh, as you and I are filming this now nor do I think it will be normal that way again in November. I do think we will have to make accommodations for the rest of our lives that will um, make us view things differently, but we'll become accustomed to them. And I have great belief in the American population. I think that we are resilient. Um, I think we work hard and I think we're gonna be able to marshal ahead in a way that will keep us all thriving. practice piano when I was a boy 
And I still ain't working to perfect guitar I never read my lesson books like others did The way they looked in study halls While I mapped out with the stars So sometimes I forget to do the things that others do Take it as it's handed like a hopeful kid in June So sometimes I retract it to the howling wind and moon But I learned a third, I learned a thing or two I only know the bills I owe in overdue And I swear the lost and found is my estate Sam asked, where's my plate? I said, come in. He said, I'll wait. I ran away. I always run away. So sometimes I forget to do the things that others do. Take it as it's handed like some bourbon on the room. So sometimes I'll be up and drunk. My problems on a few. But I'll learn a there, I'll learn a thing or two. mistake I didn't know the lengths I'd go what I'd devote in every note I found a hill and built a cityscape so well sometimes I forget to do the things that lovers do take it all for granted like a night I'm sleeping through so sometimes I'll awaken from a dream cold and confused But I'll learn again to fall in love with you Yeah, sometimes I forget to do the things that lovers do I'll learn again to fall in love with you Cause I learned I did, I learned a thing or two